with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We'll get there in just a little bit. Um, but, you know, we always talk about um, the uh, hereby and by. I think we actually sing that song, but I want to talk about the nasty now and now. Because there is some nasty things uh, now and now that go on, especially in relationships. And I got a couple of our teens up here. That's good. That's good. They got out their notebooks. Any, any singles in the house today? Raise your hand. Raise your, don't, be, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Just one of you. Okay, several of you. Well, C.S. Lewis actually said, why love if losing hurts so much? Why love if losing hurts so much? And today, whether really you're married or you're single, I think I'm going to give you some things for everybody over the next few weeks that's going to really help you understand relationships and really help you to understand how to make better choices and better decisions. So I, I want to focus really on the singles today. This is not an opportunity for our married couples to take a little nap. I want you to really root me on, say amen, because you know what I'm talking about when I go through these things. But since Valentine's Day is coming up, I want to talk with our singles, especially our teenagers. I mean, mom and dad, you ought to have your teenager on this front row. I'm going to help them today, believe me. So I want you to think about this with me. Look on the screen. Write this in your notes. No one chooses singleness. Singleness chooses you. No one chooses singleness. Singleness chooses you. And some of you might be saying, Pastor, how in the world is that possible? It's very simple. You were born single. You didn't choose it. You were born single. Marriage, then, therefore, is an institution until death do you part. But Jesus said that when we get into heaven, there is absolutely no marriage in heaven. So you are born single, and guess what? You die single. Singleness chooses you. You didn't choose it. So, so let's, let's see again. How many singles do we have in the house? Be, be real. Be real. Single people in the house. Now, all right, let's be real, too. How many of you single people are like looking for somebody? Oh, yeah, a bunch of... Man, we got to deal with liars first. <laughs> you know if you're single, you're searching for somebody, amen? Dealing with all the issues that come along with being single is a little bit different than dealing with all the issues that come with being married. So in your notes, write this. Singleness, just like marriage, has to be managed. Singleness, just like marriage has to be managed. And when singleness is managed appropriately, when singleness is managed effectively, now look on the screen, singleness is a gift. Singleness is a gift. And first and foremost, all the single people in the house, you've got to understand this. Single means to be whole. Don't miss that. Singleness means to be whole. You're not a half. You're not two and three quarters. You're not three quarters. You're not a fraction. To be single means I am a whole person. And if you do not understand that simple fact, then you're going to think that you're a fraction and you need to go out there and look for somebody that completes you. Are you hearing me this morning? You are a whole person looking for another whole person to compliment you, not to complete you. Somebody say amen. amen. 
That's why Paul says, and don't, don't look at this, but Paul says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 32 through 35, he actually talks about singleness being a gift to you because now you can attend to the Lord's affairs. You can tend to more prayer. You can tend to the church. You, you have a freedom, literally, to seek God more. And actually, you have a freedom. Somebody say freedom. You have a freedom being single, and if you manage it effectively, you have more time and you have more energy to do things that all the married people in the house don't have time and energy to do. Seriously. Because married people, we have to divide our time. We have to divide our time for work and for our spouse and for our children. Are you hearing me? You cannot have a spouse, you cannot have children, and it not alter your life. All the married people said, "Uh uh-huh. When you bring people into your life, listen to me, you have to be prepared to feed that relationship. Marriage does not work organically. Okay? You have to feed that relationship. If you think you can get a man or a woman or for our teens, a boy or a girl and continue as if nothing has changed in your life, (laughs) you need to rearrange your brain. Because let me tell you something, that's not true. It's not going to happen. You can't just continue on like you've been. Because having someone in your life drastically alters your life. Now, in many, many positive ways. I'm not trying to be negative about marriage. But it takes from you. It takes from you your time and your attention and your energy. Just like you cannot have a plant and not water it. You cannot have two beta fish and not feed them. So if you think that you can get in a relationship and not feed it, you need an attitude adjustment. Marriage takes work. Amen? Now look on the screen and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 7 through 8. This is Paul talking. Paul was a single man. He says, I wish that all of you were as I am. But each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Now to the unmarried, now to the singles, and even to the widows, I say it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. So what Paul is telling you right here, singleness is not a disease. Singleness is not a disease. Singleness is not a curse. It's not something that you need to be cured from. Paul says it's a good thing. It is a gift. But Paul says if you can't manage it well, look at verse 7, if you cannot control yourself because you burn with passion, and I won't get into that. You know, mom and daddy can go tell you what that means, okay? He says then you should marry. So all the singles in the house that want somebody, I want to go a little bit deeper with this and I want to help you. Married people, can I, can I have this opportunity just to pour into their lives? All right, don't check out on me because I'm coming back to you, okay? When, when God created Adam and Eve, all right, before he created Eve, he created Adam. And if you read the book of Genesis, out of everything that he created... He said, this is good, this is good, this is good, this is good, this is good. But the only thing that he said was not good was for a man to be alone. Here God is. The only time that God was critical of his creative process, when he looked down at Adam, saw him alone said, this is not good. Now what made him critical? 
If you'll read the Bible, in the book of Genesis, the Bible says that Adam went into the animal kingdom and he searched and he searched and he searched the animal kingdom looking for a suitable helper. And here's the deal with single people. They're out there searching and searching and searching. And when you're desperate and the search is on, single people will climb over barriers. Single people will climb over their religion. Single people will climb over ages. That's why you see a 90-year-old man dating a 20-year-old woman. They'll climb over things because they're desperate because people will search and search and search in all the wrong places. And in, Isn't that a song? Looking for love in all the wrong places. Looking for love in too many faces. Wasn't that Urban Cowboy? Yep. Whew! I'm good. That, that went further than the 80s, babe. When the search is on, people will do crazy things. And I'm telling you, love is really where you find it. Love is really where you find it. I'm not talking about this goofy, <laughs> I think he's so cute, look at those muscles. I ain't talking about that fake love. I'm talking about that love that you find, that if you really find faithful, committed, focused love, you've done something. So look at the screen. If you can find someone to love you with all the crazy in you, you found something. Right, baby? Yeah, because I got some crazy all up in here. And she still loves me. I found a good thing, amen? Somebody say, I got a little crazy in me. Now I'm talking to all the married people. I got a little crazy in me. Y'all, believe me, y'all got some crazy in you too. Let's just be real today. Admit that we got some crazy in us. A little crazy attitude. A little crazy disposition. A little crazy ways. A little crazy things that come out of our mouth. Because you cannot be in this world and not pick up some crazy in your life. I'm telling you, married people, single people, we collect it. It doesn't mean we're bad people. It's just the journey of life. The journey of life. We pick up a little anger here. We pick up a little attitude from mama there. Yeah. Crystal, we pick things up from mama and daddy. We pick up a little way that daddy acted towards mama. Now we emulate that. And the process of the life journey creates a lot of junk. Somebody say junk. A lot of crazy junk in our life. And the older you get, (laughs) the longer you live, the further you go, without any effort, you collect crazy. You collect junk. So here we have, church, Adam walking around... Look at the screen. He's trying to find a suitable helper. Where is he looking? He's looking in the animal kingdom. Searching and searching and searching. Singles, I want you to say suitable. I know y'all might be dating, but you're still single. Somebody say, can y'all say suitable? Help me out. Okay, good, good, good. Everybody say suitable. Now, if Adam was looking for a suitable helper, you've got to understand that there is an unsuitable helper out there. 
Are you hearing me this morning? So the question for our singles in this room on the screen is how do you define suitable? Don't look at me. How do you define suitable? Because as a teenager, as an older woman, maybe single or single again, if you don't know that definition, if you don't know what you're searching for, then you're out there searching and searching and searching, and when you don't know what you're searching for, you're liable just to grab anything. Right? So you have to have a definition of what is suitable for you. I would go as far as say, write a job description. Write a job description of what is suitable for you, because only you know you. Amen? Write a suitable description for you, or are you like Adam? Out there searching and searching and searching the animal kingdom for your suitable helper. Because there's no question about it. Life is a jungle and there are predators out there. And if you're not careful, if you don't know what is suitable for you, you can come home to mama and daddy with something from the animal kingdom. (laughs) Look what I brought home. (laughs) Is that a platypus? <laughs> right? Am I right, parents? Come on, help me out. Help me out today. Let's lighten up, okay? The Bible says to find a suitable helper. And that's very important because if you don't figure this out, you can come home with a beast. Some of you are married to a beast. <laughs> and I know what you're thinking, especially you. Pastor, I don't have to write no job description. I already know what I want. Really, do you? (laughs) I know her. Do you really have a clear definition of what is suitable for you and what suitable looks like for you? Because look, I've counseled a lot of beasts, all right? And the statistic, listen, the statistics show, I I just pulled it up today. 50% of first-time marriages end in divorce. Because we're marrying beasts. Second marriages, 63% end in divorce. Third marriages, it goes up to 74% end in divorce. And I don't know if you're, you took stats, so if we understand stats, here, write this down. Write this down. Experience does not bring competence. According to that stat, experience does not bring competence. But when I look at the third marriage and 74%, you know what that tells me? Our tolerance for pain decreases over time. Because by the time you get to the second marriage, you remember what you went through in the first marriage, and the first whiff of crazy out of that beast, you be like, well, oh, wait a minute, you ain't doing that to me, because Bob used to do that to me. You do that to me one more time, and you're out of here. Right? Our tolerance for pain decreases. We ain't going to have none of that junk. Especially, man, I smell crazy all over you. It's residue. 
Literally, it's residue left over from the first marriage that here you are penalizing the second marriage for all the hell you went through in the first marriage because you smell crazy on the beast. Amen? So let me help you. Singles. Why is it that we either date or we marry beast? Look at the screen, number one. In the church realm, I can only say from the church realm, is church folks usually marry a beast because they're pressured not to live a life filled with fornication. Now, I know that's news to you, but let's wake up and be real. There are a lot of Christians out there that don't know how to date no more without fornicating. Really? I never knew that. (laughs) Come on. Let's get real up at the house today, all right? So what happens is they get into a relationship as a Christian. They hear preaching. They read the Bible. They're getting all spiritual. Then they feel guilt because they're not living up to God's ideals and God's standards. So to alleviate the guilt, they get married. Now, you may have solved one problem, but you created ten more in the marriage. You know why? Because you didn't inspect the animal. So under pressure to get it right with God, now you've gotten it wrong with marriage. And here you are now asking yourself, oh my goodness, what did I get into? i tell you what you got into. Teens, listen to me. You opened up your heart, but you closed your head. You opened up your heart and closed your head. Look on the screen. Be warned against an open heart and a closed head. And teens are guilty of this. Oh, he loves me. Oh, he says such great things about me. And we open up our heart and we close our head. And can I tell you what happens when you open up your heart and you close your head? When you close your head, you squint your eyes. Oh, he's so good to me. He's so good to me. He's so good to me. And then you marry him and you open up your eyes. You roll over and go, oh my God, what did I marry? This guy don't even have a job. (laughs) You ended up with that because you're searching and searching and searching and you brought home an orangutan. Are you with me today? Okay, number two. On the screen, number two. People usually marry beasts because they're lonely. They think, you know, if I have companionship, beats no companionship. So really what you're just looking for is company. Just invite somebody over, have dinner with them. That's company, okay? And look, I get it. I was single for a long time. Till I ran into my funny little honey. All right? I got tired of eating alone. I never went to a restaurant and just ate there by myself because I'd look retarded, you know? <laughs> I was tired of just being alone. And, and, and single women, I get it. You're tired of getting in that dress and having to zip up that zipper in the middle. I mean, how do y'all do that? Seriously, how do single people zip up a zipper? on a dress that's in the middle. I mean, do you go into the closet, get one of those coat hangers, and just go, whoa, whoa, help! I don't know how you do it. 
Because wives are always, honey, could you zip it up? Right? So I've often wondered, how does singles zip up? Okay, I'll get back on track. Look, loneliness, loneliness, somebody say loneliness, can be a terrible thing, and, and, and loneliness should not be underestimated. But listen to me, it's, it's not, somebody say not, it's not terrible to be single, but it's terrible to be lonely. You can be single and be lonely, and, and let me tell you something, you can be married and be lonely. No, no, you don't say amen if you're married, okay? All right. So look on the screen. If you marry to avoid lonely, then the short-term problem is solved, but you create a long-term misery in your life. So be careful, guys, of making a rash decision that solves that short-term problem because marriage is for life according to the Bible. Don't make a quick decision of a lifetime institution that God wants you to have. Amen? Number three. And you're not going to believe me, but people marry beast to avoid self-awareness. Let me explain it. And give me some time to explain it. Some people in this room run from themselves. They don't want to be alone with themselves because they've really never gotten to know themselves. They truly don't know who they are. So now here you are in front of a pastor. You don't know yourself. You're giving yourself to someone that really you don't even know them. You don't know who you are. There you are before the pastor and your family promise that I do take this woman. I do take this man. And you don't even know the I who's saying I do. Much less the person in front of you that you're saying I do too. Why? Because we run from ourselves. So single people, this may sound crazy, date yourself first. Date yourself first. Because I would suggest to you, and hear me out, if you don't enjoy your company, if you find being with you is boring, If you find yourself totally uninterested, and if you sit there and find yourself, I ain't got no plans, I ain't got no goals, I ain't got no strategy, let me tell you what you have. You have no self-awareness. You have no self-awareness. And, and, and most people with low self-esteem have no awareness. Why? Because you can never esteem something that you don't know. You've got to get to know you. So if you do know who you are, and if you do esteem what you have, then you should have a plan for your life that is built on who is my suitable helper, not whether or not I find somebody or not. Are you hearing me today? Can I go a little bit deeper? So how do we find somebody? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Now, I'm only talking to Christians. If you don't believe in Jesus, then you're exempt from this. It says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with the darkness? So what Paul is saying is Christians should not marry non-Christians. Okay? 
Now, some of you may have both been non-Christians. You got married. You got saved, but he didn't. Totally different. What Paul is saying here, look on the screen, knowingly to go out and search and search and search and just take anybody who doesn't have your same values, your same decision-making process based on the Word of God, it's not based on a solid, firm foundation. To go out there and knowingly just find any orangutan that will take you sets yourself up for a relationship of imbalance. And that is dangerous, y'all. Do not be yoked with unbelievers. Now, I'll caution you because I've seen it happen in this church. Believe me, just because someone is saved and single and attends a church don't mean they're equally yoked with you. I love to see all these teenagers that the mom and daddy force the, the, the person to come to church. That'll make it right. Uh-uh. It won't make it right. Just because they come to church, just because they worship, just because they say amen with you at dinner does not mean they are equally yoked with your daughter. Because when you know who you are, you can now determine for yourself what your equal is. But you cannot find out your equal if you don't know who you are as a Christian believer. And mom and dad and single people, let me help you. Write this down on the screen. Equality does not, uh, goes beyond spirituality. Equality goes beyond spirituality. Oh, well, we let him pray at dinner, and he prayed a really good prayer. Oh, he comes to church with us, because we forced it on him. <laughs> let me explain this, because we miss this. And when we truly miss what matters, we make a mess of the situation. Are you all ready for this? Equality goes beyond spirituality. Let, let me explain this. Has anybody ever heard of Sisyphus? Okay. Sisyphus was in Greek mythology. Sisyphus was bound to eternity for his sin. And his punishment was to roll a rock up a hill only to watch it roll back down again. And he had to go back down that hill, roll that rock back up the hill. Once he got it up the hill, ha ha, there it went back down again. And for eternity he had to roll a rock up a hill and watch it go back down again. And here's what happened. Is many of us in this room have the Sisyphus complex. And many of us have it in our relationship. Because the same thing I went through Fred. Now I'm going through with Bob. Now that I dumped Bob. I'm going through it with Billy. And now that Billy left me. I'm going through it with Jack. And listen. If you keep getting involved with people. If you keep getting involved with beasts, if you keep getting involved with an animal over and over and over again, the problem is not with the rock. The problem is with you. And if you want to break the cycle, you need to stop asking the rock, what's wrong with you that you would do me that way? 
oh girl, you wouldn't believe how he did me. He did me this way. He did me that way. Look, stop it. You know what he did wrong. But you need to ask yourself, what's wrong with me? Then I'm willing to keep rolling this same rock that's got the same crazy in every one of them up the hill over and over and over again. Are you hearing me? Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to change. Now, don't go out and get a divorce, okay? But, but it, it's, <laughs> it's time to change. Singles, what I'm trying to tell you is investigate. Investigate to see what their normal is. Because if their normal is, remember, equality goes beyond spirituality. If their normal is growing up in an abusive, argumentative home full of anger, and your normal is growing up in a loving home that was calm, cool, and collective, you were not equally yoked. It goes beyond spirituality. Well, they believe in God. Yeah, they believe in God, but they also believe in beating the snot out of you too when you don't listen. You're not equally yoked. Are you hearing me? So how do you know who you are And how do you know if you're getting somebody that is a suitable helper or if you just got a beast? Can I help you? Let me give you three quick things. First, on the screen, you need time to get to know God. You need time to get to know God. And there are a lot of single people in this room, really the reason you're dating somebody is because you fight being alone. I know you call it love right now, but honestly, you fight being alone. So when you don't like being alone, you'll just invite anybody into your life. So time alone, especially with God, gives you time to discover your faith and your values and your standards. You begin to understand who God is and how He treats you, and then you compare it to that guy of how He should treat you. And you've got to get along with God because all through the New Testament and all through the Old Testament, you see great men and you see great women getting to know God when they were all alone. Because it's always when you're alone with God that God reveals Himself to you. If you don't believe me, just look at the Virgin Mary. She wasn't out shopping with the girlfriends looking for a dress. She was alone, and that's when the angel came to reveal to her something. Are you hearing me? So you need time alone with God. Number two, you need time alone to get to know you. In order to have self-discovery, there has to be privacy. You need moments alone of reflection. I've seen people, they have split from bad relationships. You need time to reflect in order to discover. Discover what happened. Discover what happened so you don't go through it the second time with the second marriage or the second person and you're rolling that rock up the hill again. Don't sit there and try to figure out what's wrong with them. You already know that. That's why you split up. Spend some time to figure out what did I contribute to the conflict because I guarantee you there was something you did to contribute to the conflict. Are you hearing me? So here we are. If I know who God is and if I know who I am, now I can find a suitable helper. 
But if I don't know who God is and I don't know who I am, then I'm going to find just any old animal or beast out there. So you have to make time for God. You have to make time for you. And then once you've gone through that discovery process, now when that person comes in, the third thing is this. You need time alone to see what's suitable for you. Let me explain this. Time shows you what kind of crazy is in that person you're dating. I would say, and I need to be careful here, that traditional dating of just going out on a date and courting the person, oh, you like a me and I like a you, so I want to change your last name, that, that just don't work no more, okay? I still believe in dating. I still believe you need to, to romance and go out on dates. But I would suggest to you that out on a date, anybody can be careful and hide their crazy. I mean, they're only with you for a couple of hours, <laughs> Don't see this, I love you, you're so awesome, love your hair. Here's the dinner, though I can't afford it, I'm going broke to take you out. <laughs> but you stay married to somebody 26 years and crazy will raise its ugly head and all the married people said. Amen. When people are out on dates, they can hide their crazy, sweetie. So you know what I would suggest to you? Don't just go out on a date. Go do a project together. You see all the married people laughing? That's all I got to say. Drop the mic, I'm going home. Now for all the singles that don't know what I'm talking about, wash the car together. Make elderberry together. Go do some yard work together. Oh, some crazy going to ooze out of them, I promise you. You'll find out who's going to wear their pants in that marriage. You don't rake it like that. You rake it like this. Right? Am I right? Am I right? When I'm right, I'm right. Take them to an office party. Better yet, bring them home to the entire family. Because now you got all the beasts together in one accord. Here comes grandma swinging on a vine. Hey! Here comes grandpa with a banana. <laughs> Are you hearing me? Because when all the beasts get together, some crazies going to come out of that beast. What I'm trying to tell you, take the person out of their natural environment. And put them in a situation that forces the crazy to ooze out of them. Why? Because as teens, as single people, we jump into things too fast. And when we jump into things too fast, now we regret that we didn't see the crazy in them. Am I helping anybody today? Come on, encourage me. Am I helping anybody? Look, as your pastor, I, I, I want you to make the right decisions. I want you to make great decisions. So my job is to give you information so the next time you're forced to make a decision, 
you're now armed with the right mindset from the Word of God. Now you know what you're looking for, guys. And because you know who you are, you know who God is. And you know what you can do now? No, not you. No, not you. No, not you. No, not you. But you, <laughs> yeah. You see what I'm saying? Now you know what you're searching for. As the musicians come, let, let, let's just bring everybody in this, okay? Let's just face this head on. And, and, and as I close, this is not an invitation to get up and leave because those of you that are visiting with me, I, I, I close long. I really have long. Some of you that are visiting, like, you don't close long, you just go long. How many of you, how many of you have seen those TV shows where like people hire professional organizers to come into the house to clean up junk? I, I, I don't know if anybody ever watched those, the tiny house, tiny house nation, anybody? They, they force them to narrow it down just to a few things. Have you seen that, that, those show, show hoarders? Yeah, yeah. Jennifer's like, yep, and I'm not one. I show Mike these shows to tell him how to get rid of his stuff. <laughs> Me and Carrie watched it, and she turned into a hoarder. I'm suing the show. (laughs) But see, on those shows, the house looks good on the outside. But by the time you get in the inside, there's junk everywhere. Crazy junk everywhere. And what's amazing to me is how comfortable those people are living with their junk. You hearing me? But what even gets me even more is here's these people. They're living in a junky mess and they actually invite the professional in their house to help them get rid of their junk and in the process of getting rid of their junk, they want to fight with the professional. Here is a professional trying to help you get rid of your junk. You invited them in the house because you knew that you needed to get rid of the junk. And they're not even getting it out of the house yet. They're just saying, hey, would you consider getting rid of this junk? And they're like, no! No! That's my blankie. Don't take this. You can't have it. Here's a professional trying to help them. They invited you into your house, but you won't let them take the junk. Do you want to know why? I mean, I could just close and say goodnight, go home, but y'all want to know why? Because the junk has become their normal. The junk has become their normal. And what I'm trying to tell you through this is people, it is easy to collect junk. Now, if you write me and say, well, Pastor, you know, I I got this and I got that. And I'm not, I'm I'm talking spiritually now. I'm talking about attitudes. People want to hold on to their junk. They want to hold on to their stuff. And you come here by choice and you've got a professional trying to help you with your junk. And then usually I get emails. Truth be told, I'm guilty as charged. 
we're all conflicted in some area of our life. Truth be told, we don't want to let go of our junk easily. You know why? That'd be your opportunity to say why. (laughs) Because we're married to our junk. We're married to our junk. And here we are. We're about to come into a lifestyle of union. Two people with junk in their life. Two people with junk all around their life. And hear me clearly. I believe everybody wants the junk out of their life. But most people don't know how to get rid of the junk in their life. Because most people that get married, they don't trust the person that they've brought into their life. You know why? Because they had their junk a lot longer than they've had you. And here's what they're really thinking inside of their head. At least I know that all my crazy junk, my crazy attitude, my crazy way, it'll be there for me. And I'm not so sure that you will be there for me. So don't you ask me to clean up my junk because you might up and leave me. And at least I'll have my junk. People fall in love with their junk and they marry their junk so easily. And most of the time, all of your junk is from that crazy girlfriend you had in high school. That crazy man that you used to be married to. It's called past experiences. How mama used to treat you, how daddy used to treat you. And the problem now, because we all have so much junk and we're not allowing God to heal it in the American church, the reason that we have so many Christians uh, having trouble staying married is because we're, we're not really single. We're not really whole. We're filled with this, we're filled with that. We come with all this junk. So we come to you not single and pure at all. We come to you with mess. And then we find your mess and you find my mess. Now we're arguing. Now we're seeing a lawyer. Now we're struggling through church because he's talking about marriage and we're about to get a divorce. We're still married to Wanda and what she did to us in junior high school. We're still married to Bob who hurt us and Mama who said you'll never amount to anything and Daddy that said you're just a piece of junk. And now somebody wonderful comes into your life. Because God has brought you a suitable helper. And they have to compete with the idols in your life. Because you measure others by the point of reference of your past. All of us are conflicted. All of us got junk, church. But I want you to know that there are certain things in your life right now that you just need to get rid of it. Get rid of it. When the professional gets up here, I'm done. I'm done. I'm getting rid of it. The Holy Spirit convicted me. I'm done. I'm getting rid of it. Then there are some past experiences in your life, and they are B-A-D, and that spells bad. And what you need to take with those bad experiences, you need to turn them to fuel you, fuel you to be a better person. 
And then there are some things that when we open up these altars, you just need to come down here and you need to bring closure to it. Maybe you need to go home and write it all down on a piece of paper, light a match, watch it burn, and say, I'm done with it. It's closed. So I'll say this. Many of you come in here Sunday after Sunday and you're asking the question, how do I get rid of my nasty tongue? How do I get rid of my nasty attitude in this marriage or in this relationship? How do I get rid of my nasty disposition that I've had forever? How, pastor, do I stop rolling this rock up the same hill and it rolls back down again and I got to roll it up again? I think I'm doing good. I think I got a breakthrough and it rolls back down again. How do I stop the crazy in me, pastor? Well, I can tell you this. Without Jesus, it's going to be hard. Without the Holy Ghost, it ain't going to be easy for you. Without transforming your mind to the renewing of the Word of God consistently on a daily basis, it's going to take time and sometimes longer than that person you're with is willing to wait. But I'm going to tell you, it's painful. And you will never be able to get rid of it if you're married to it. But if you're not married to it and you're willing to bury that crazy junk, then there's hope for you. If it has not become a crazy piece of junk that you insist on keeping, even if it's driving the loved ones around you crazy, even if it's driving the loved ones around you out of your life, if you don't insist on holding on to it, you can get rid of the crazy that is holding on to you. With the help of Jesus, the Holy Ghost, and the Word. And I admit, it is easier to get rid of a blankie, or a whole bunch of newspapers, or all those baby shoes. Maybe just, maybe we'll have another baby. (laughs) We're 89, honey. It's easier to get rid of junk that's laying around the house than it is pain. Then it is jealousy. Then it is envy. Then it is pride, insecurity, anger, intimidation, manipulation. It's hard to get rid of those things. But I can't find anywhere in the Word that says you need to keep holding on to it. It has to be done. So whether you're single or whether you're married, you can't be what you need to be for somebody else if you still have all of these past experiences living on the inside of you. So my question to you before I close this out is how cluttered is your life? I'm not talking about your home, your life, your spirit, your heart, your head. Are you married to your anger? Do you rehearse thoughts all day long so when they come in the house, you're ready to fight? I know what they're going to say. i got to come back. Today's the day for you to get rid of your junk. The question for me to you is will you let it go? And, and listen to me. I feel like this is some, for somebody. 
you're not doing it for them. You're doing it for you. You're doing it for you. You're not doing it for them. But you've got to cut the cord because it's tied to a dead thing and it's eating up your life and it's destroying the ones that love you. And I'm telling you, that's why the altar is so powerful. You can let it go. But it's always your decision to come, not mine. And here's what I suggest to you today. Stop wrestling with it. Stop rationalizing it. And stop arguing with your significant other about it. Well, that's just the way it is. I am who I am. <laughs> no. 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 Let it go. Let it go. Come to God and say, I don't want the crazy in me. It's in me, God. It's in my heart. It's in my head. It's in my spirit. I don't want it because I want to be free. I want to be free from me so I can be better for other people. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you may have walked in this place and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you'd want one today. If that's you, would you just raise your hand, Pastor? That's me. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? I don't have a relationship with Jesus, Pastor, but I want one today. I want to get my life right with Christ. Anybody else besides that young man? I want to get my life right. We're going to pray with this young man. Young man, I just want you to pray this prayer. Believe it from your heart. Believe it from your spirit. Believe it from your head. Faith has already arised because you've raised your hand. Because the Holy Spirit's already prompted you and convicted you. Faith is there. The Bible says all you need is faith. Faith to believe that Jesus died on the cross for you. Was buried in the ground for three days. And then was raised again to heaven. Sits at the right hand of the Father. Everybody pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, come into my life. I accept you. It's the Savior of my soul. I choose this day to serve you. Help me as I walk with you to make you the Lord of my life. It's in Jesus' name we pray and everybody said amen. Can we give this young man a big old hand clap?